All right. <clears throat> Can I talk to you from my heart this morning since it's Father's Day? Um, dads, I want you to know you're important. You're extremely important. And I have some facts to give you this morning <clears throat> and something I want to share with you from my heart. I hope you'll receive it that way. But I want you to know just how important you are in the lives of your family and how important you are even to the church. I'm gonna give you some statistics and while the uh, things mentioned certainly appear to be negative, what they do is they clearly underscore your importance and your value in the home. Um, let me give them to you. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent chemical abuse patients in drug treatment centers are from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths who are in prison are from fatherless homes. I think that underscores to us, Dad, your role in the life of your children is extremely important and probably greater than you may realize. <clears throat> now, I wanna be quick to say that a mother's role is also extremely important. I think that should go without saying, but I, I acknowledge it. And it's not a matter of one is more important than the other. That's not it at all. It's the fact that God has designed the role of both mother and father to serve in a complementary fashion and together to reflect the nature and person of the heart of God in a way that neither one can fully do on their own. Is there an amen in the house today? Dad, let me just give you a little further proof of how, proof of how important you are to the family. According to data collected by Promise Keepers and Baptist Press, corroborated by a European study done in Switzerland and a study done by the Lutheran Church. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 from such a situation will become a regular worshiper. The best number that is available to us in studies is 18% if the father does not attend and the mother does. So you may be a single mom in this house and discouraged by that. And you might say, where does that leave me? Well, I just wanna remind you, mom, of this, that God, our God, our sovereign, incomparable God, delights in doing exceptional things in the lives of people who believe him and who trust him. And you can trust God for him to make your situation that exception. In fact, I encourage you to trust God and say, Lord, put me in that 18%. I'm not gonna relinquish my child to the world. My child is gonna be in the house of God worshiping you. I find it interesting that statistics also say this, that when the father attends church, but the mother does not, 66% of the children in that situation will remain church attenders. I, was, I happened to be in a conversation with a young lady this, this very week who that was the situation. Her mother did not serve the Lord and her dad did and she is in the church uh, worshiping uh, today. When both father and mother attend church, 75% 
of the children will remain regular church attenders. All of that says this, and it kind of brings us to a sobering moment of responsibility. All of it says this, we are not talking about luxuries, Bethesda, we're talking about necessities. The necessity of parents to rise up in this day and in this generation and be godly examples to their kids. So dad, the role you play is extremely, extremely important. I'm gonna take you to the word of the Lord in Deuteronomy in just a few minutes if you wanna get your Bibles ready and it'll be just a minute, I'll get there. Because I wanna talk about the privilege that every father in this house has in leaving a legacy. It's actually the title of my message today. And I really want it to be a message of encouragement. That's my prayer, that's, that's my hope. I've gotta get honest with you about some things and I think uh, I'm, I'm taking advantage of the uniqueness of this day to share from my heart. But I, this is not gonna be a beating for dads. A lot of Father's Day messages are, that's not my intention. I want it to be an encouragement to you, and I think one of the ways it will be an encouragement is you're gonna find that you're doing many of the things I'm talking about. I also wanna kinda of give you a little warning. This is part sermon, part family counseling session this morning. I'm throwing that part in for free, okay? Uh, but but there is, there's uh, some aspects where we're just, we're just talking about the reality of the home today. And hopefully we can offer some ideas to dads on how you can excel and leaving a legacy, a godly legacy for your kids. But in so doing, and all, with all I'm gonna mention for the next few minutes, and um, I, I'll, be, I'll be as quick as I can, but I need to unload my heart to you, and you got a little extra music this morning, okay, in this service. In so doing, I'm sensitive to the fact that I will need to balance it with other things that need to be said and should be said. Because if I don't do that, <clears throat> then I'm aware that the end result could possibly not be favorable for the children or for the home if I don't bring balance to it. And here's what I mean. That if a father listens to this message, whether it's online or in the house today, and you take this message, which is from the Word of God, but it is implemented in a dictatorial, high-handed, unkind, unwise, or anger-driven manner, without operating in true humility, then this message will be of no help whatsoever. Everything I wanna share with you this morning needs to be applied in wisdom. Please keep that in mind. So as I talk about godly influential parenting, I'm not just talking to dads, I'm talking to moms and dads, I'm talking to grandmas and grandpas and uh, to all of us who have influence over children. And I need to lay a couple of items, if you'll listen carefully, of groundwork that I want you to understand that are just very, very important. The first ground rule I want you to understand before I get to the scripture is this. You must have a relationship with your children, a true relationship with them. One of the mistakes that I see many parents making is this. They have this uh, idea somehow that love equals influence. And that's just not true. I know plenty of people, and you probably do too, who love their children incredibly, but they have very little, if any, influence on them. The formula looks more like this. Love plus time equals relationship. Say that with me. Love plus. You cannot have influential relationship unless you're spending time quality time, quality time with your kids. I know that's not always easy. I know how busy we are. I know the demands that are on you. 
I know how, how much is calling for your attention, but we must have quality time. So what does quality time look like? That's, you know, we hear that phrase all the time. What's it look like? It might be easier to say what it's not. What it's not is uh, when your child comes into your presence and, and they've come home from school, they've come home from whatever, quality time is not an immediate and incessant barrage of correcting all the things that you see and that you know are wrong. Why is it as parents? We see that so readily and so quickly. All the things that should be and that they're not doing yet or they, they should be doing or the way they should be acting. And so we tend to hit them with this and this and you need to be this, you need to be thinking this, you need to da 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 And we do it with a hammer in our hand. That is not quality time. And if we don't watch it, we become blind to the fact that every minute we have with our child, we are doing that. And that is relationally destructive and creates what the child then perceives to be an unsafe place for them. If the only thing your child knows of their time with you or your grandchild knows of their time with you is you rebuking or correcting or reprimanding and trying to fix all the things that you see that are wrong, you can be absolutely guaranteed that you will not have a relationship with them and you will relinquish any influence that you have on them. Is there a time and place and a circumstance for correction? Most assuredly there is. But one of the most common mistakes, and I have mentioned this before, one of the most common mistakes that I see parents making is this, I did this, I absolutely did this, and I was wrong to do it. Looking too early for the adult that your child is destined to become in God. Looking too early for the, chi- for the adult that your child is destined to become in the grace of God. It's so easy having a vision for your child, what you think they should be and what you're hoping. It's based upon your dreams and your hopes for them and how you want them to thrive. And we begin looking too early for the adult that we're expecting them to be. You must have quality time with your children. Even as you remember this, it is not their job to enter your world, it is your job to enter their world. We tend to want to wait on our children to be interested in our world, to be able to relate to them. We need to remember that it is our job to enter their world and what interests them and what it takes to engage them, which means dads, you may have to have your fingernails painted several colors, okay? You must reach to them and be interested in their world right where they're at today. That's ground rule number one. Got to have a relationship with them, with quality time. Ground rule number two, all parenting has to be done in humility. All grandparenting has to be done in humility. Our parenting has to be done in a way where we humbly accept the fact and we acknowledge before our children that we're not perfect. I would love to see the hands raised of those parents in this room who say, I'm the perfect parent. If you do raise your hand, it means you're probably, your child was born yesterday, okay? It's probably what that means. We're not perfect as parents. And here's what we have to recognize. As we are calling our family to live the word of God, as we are teaching them the word of God and we are calling upon them to respond to the word of God, those moments, those times are going to happen when we As parents, we as grandparents, where we fall beneath the standard of the word. It happens for all of us. 
And how you respond in that moment is very critical as to whether or not you will actually have godly influence on your child or your grandchild. Can you just imagine what it's like to be the pastor of the church? Your children are watching you preach, they're hearing you preach, and yet they also have a front row seat to how you live. And when children of all people, they become very aware when those moments, those two don't match in those moments. That's only true for pastors. It's true for every believer in the house. They watch what you say. They watch what you're declaring. They watch what you're talking about and what you're saying that you value, but they're also, they have a front row seat to how you live. And they have a very keen sensitivity when those things don't match. Any, children, any child will be aware of that. And so therefore, how we handle it, that we acknowledge it, that we don't ignore it and just pretend it'll pass and go on is very critical in that moment. And the discriminating parent knows that they can never assume that they don't owe an apology to their child or at least an acknowledgement of something. And the more you're able to do that in humility, you know what, I blew it, I absolutely blew it, and I ask you to forgive me for that. That's what living in humility before your child looks like. Absent you doing that, your child will actually eventually uh, view you as a hypocrite and just turn you off therewith causing you to lose most, if not all, of your influence on them. Those are the ground rules. You gotta have a relationship with them. Number two, you have to allow your parenting to be done with humility. So that being said, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six and let's see what the word has to say to us. There'll be three primary points with a few sub-points along the way and they'll be all on the screen for you if you're taking notes and I'll try to help differentiate the big points from the little points. First big point, a godly father leaves a legacy. Would you say that after me, please? Would you say it as if the room was full of people, please? Thank you, that makes me feel so much better. How we live today not only affects today and tomorrow and the next few months, but how we live today, church, has a generational effect. I'm gonna show this to you from the word of God today. It matters how we live today. The way you and I serve God today will echo through the decades and even the centuries should the Lord tarry. I will show you that in just a moment. You are literally shaping the family line, the family tree, the family legacy for generations to come. You're not just living in the bubble of this period of time. Which decisions you make today How you live for God today is going to affect your line all the way down. And you may be saying, well, that didn't happen for me. All of my family were, were, you know, they were unsaved and and never darkened the door of a church and they they know nothing about Jesus and and that's not what what it was. Then you know what? You're being given the privilege of starting the legacy of godliness and righteous living for the whole of your family. And you need to accept that as a privilege from God. Deuteronomy chapter six, we find Moses at the end of his life. And after leading the nation of Israel through the desert for 40 years, here stands Moses reminding the people of those last 40 years and how God has brought them through. Just like we're saying, you made a way 
where there seemed to be no way. Church, we must always be willing and ready to look back what God has done with gratitude in our hearts. The Lord's done this. The Lord's done that. I know it's cloudy and rainy today, but you know what? He gave us a day of sunshine yesterday. And he's going to give us a day of sunshine this week sometime. And, and we're going to pull out of this pandemic by the grace of God. And there's going to be a better day. Because we found God to be faithful. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. And we can say he's never failed us yet. Somebody say amen to that today. So here's Moses reminding the people of what's happened in the last 40 years. And he rehearses for them all that God has done and reminds them about the giving of the law. And he's not only reminding them about the giving of the law, but the importance of their obedience to the law. And it's rather interesting the way it happened. In Deuteronomy 5.22, Moses says this to the people. He says, remember that you, of all the people in the earth, you heard the voice of God, O Israel. The only time in history of mankind, two million people heard, uh, two million people heard God speak to them audibly. And some people would say, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be a great thing if I could have been there to hear God speak audibly? That would have been so great. But let me just tell you how they, how they, what their take was on it. After that happened, the people went to Moses and said, probably about like this, don't ever let that happen again. Never. That was so terrifying that if that happens again, if we ever again hear the audible voice of God unfiltered, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the power of God, if we hear that unfiltered, we think we're going to die. So, Moses, you go tell God, God, talk to Moses, don't talk to us. Then, Moses, you come and tell us what God said. That's the way that went down. And then God had a response to that in Deuteronomy 5.29, and he said this, Oh, he starts with, oh, you know, this is a, some passion behind this. Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey my commands. Why? Because if they did, they and their descendants would what? Prosper forever. And what's the requirements? To fear me and to obey all my commands. And if they did, then their descendants, they and their descendants would prosper forever. If you and I, Bethesda, have a heart for God and a heart to obey him and we've given ourselves wholly to him, there is a generational effect according to the word of God that we're reading today. It not only affects you, but it also affects your children and your children's children, and generations to follow. And the effect is very positive. It says they're going to prosper. God says, if you'll honor me, and if you'll honor my word, then I will bless you in a way which will cause you and your descendants all the way down the line to prosper. Dads, here's what I want us to hear today. There's a legacy that you can leave your children. It's more powerful it's more important, it's more valuable than anything else you could leave them. More important than stocks or bonds. It's more important than investments that you could have your 401k, whatever that you think that you're going to leave to your kids. It's more important and more, and more valuable than any property that you could give them or even a family business. It is the legacy of knowing God, loving God, serving God, and living for God. Hallelujah. 
So here's our text this morning. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. They've just received the Ten Commandments. You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. I love that word, occupy, because it tells me this. When we're going to go into the blessing of the Lord, we're not just going to visit. We're moving into the blessing of the Lord. Not just going to visit it. Verse 2. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. This is a generational thing. The eternal God understands how quickly a life can pass. He understands that we are but dust and his life is like a vapor and, and your lifespan and my lifespan, just a, a few years, a few decades at best that's gonna happen. And God is saying, I don't just want you, I want your whole line I want your whole lineage. He wants more than just us. He wants our children and our children's children and on down the line. I don't know about you, but I take great comfort in that. God's not just looking for us. He wants our whole generational line. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Verse 3, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So a godly father leaves a legacy. And there are three subpoints that tell us why a godly father leaves legacy. Number one, that you may enjoy long life. Scripture gives this to us over and over and over. Proverbs 9 says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge is the, uh, of the Holy One results in good judgment. Verse 11, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. It is as simple as this, Bethesda. When you're living a godly life, living for the Lord, living in a godly way, what happens is you just make the kind of life management decisions which lead by and large to longevity. Proverbs 22, true humility and, and, and fear of the Lord lead to riches and honor and long, all life. The, the scripture is sprinkled with this all throughout the scripture. Solomon is, is basically saying this, you know, I've been watching some folks. I've been watching how life has lived. And I, I see a, a common thread uh, that's become very obvious to me, to people who fear the Lord. God seems to honor those who honor him. And I also see that they seem to do well financially. They seem to prosper and succeed when they honor the Lord. And also they seem to live longer. Those are the things I see. And you might say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, look at the New Testament. Ephesians 6 says, and you will have long life on the earth. Promise after promise after promise that when we honor the Lord, God gives us these things. So why create a legacy that you might enjoy a long life? Another reason is that it might go well with you. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 3. Look at it. That then all will go well with you when you are careful to obey. Can I just tell you, I hate to almost put it in these terms. I wrestle with myself if I should. It pays you to read the Word of God. It pays you in ways that you can't even imagine. Is that the only motivator? No. We should read the Word because we love God and we want to spend time in communion with Him and meditate on His Word. But there is return to us. That's not the only motivator, but it's clearly a motivator that God gives in Scripture. 
So I'm going to say it this way. Will reading the Word of God benefit you financially? It will if you, if you live it, yes. Will reading the Word of God benefit you relationally if you live it? Yes. Will it benefit you in your standing in the community and opportunity if you live it? Yes. I'm simply saying that if you read and obey the Word of God according to the Scripture we've read in our text, it will go well with you and it will go well for the generations who are following you. As you're reading the Bible and obeying it, you are literally investing in the future of your kids and grandkids. I want to say this very personal thing. Becky and I stand here today as a testimony before you saying that much of the blessing that has been on our lives is a result of two sets of parents, hers and mine, loving the Lord, living for God, living the Word of God, teaching the Word to others, obeying the Word of God, being faithful to the house of God, being faithful in the work of the kingdom of God. That's what both of our sets of parents, and we are very blessed in that way, impressing upon our hearts and upon our minds the Word of God. And we've done the same with our children, and we're beginning to see them do the same with our grandchildren who are very, very young. So why create a legacy that you might enjoy a long life, that it might go well with you, and number three, that you might increase greatly in a wonderful land? It says you will have many children. Back to our text, Deuteronomy 6. In the third verse, you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey. Blessing and prosperity for you. And what he's basically saying is this. When a person is blessed by the Lord... There's like a spillover blessing that falls on people all around them. When a person is blessed by the Lord, when there's joy in their hearts, that joy cannot be contained and it spills over on others around them. They just, a, a, a person who's blessed by the Lord and obeying the word of the Lord and living for God, living wholly for Him, they just live a life that expands their territory. So, dads, it's absolutely vital that we're leaving a legacy for our children of faithfulness to the decrees of the Word of God. Is there an amen in the house? And here's the bottom line. Your obedience to the Lord or your lack of obedience will determine what your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren will know of God's working in their lives. Jonathan Edwards was a preacher in the first Great Awakening. He preached that masterful sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God that Shook All of New England. He was a godly man. He was a righteous man. And an interesting study was made concerning what happened to his descendants. Someone did that. More than 400 of his descendants have been traced. And here's what they include. Talk about blessing. 14 college presidents in his line, 100 professors, 100 ministers of the gospel, missionaries, or theological teachers. More than 100 of them were lawyers and or judges. Out of all of them, 60 have been doctors, and as many more were authors of high rank or editors of journals. In fact, almost every conspicuous American industry has had as its promoters one or more of the offspring of the Edwards descendants since the remote ancestor was married in the closing half of the 18th century. That's quite a legacy. Dads, what you you and I do today will have incredible impact upon our descendants. 
and we can never underestimate the significance of the legacy that we leave behind. Godly father leaves a legacy, but a godly father loves God intensely. Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, are you reading? You shall love the Lord God with all of your, and with all of your, and with all of your, your heart, your soul, your might. In order to raise up godly children, they must see a parent or parents who are completely, totally in love with Jesus. Parents who lead from within, who are not asking their children to do things that they don't. Parents who aren't saying to their children, well, I do these things, when in fact they don't. That's not what they need to see. So Moses is giving us some instructions here on what it means to love God intensely. He says, with all of your heart. That is loving God with a sincere heart. Now, you know, our kids are not not expecting us to be perfect, thank God. They already know we're not. But what they do want to know is that you are sincere. That matters. What they do really want to know is that your love for God matters to you and that you're not, uh, that you're not playing games and that you are really trying in this walk of faith, our children need to see that we are passionately, enthusiastically, wholeheartedly in love with Jesus. When they see that, that offers a spillover blessing to them. Love God with all of your heart. Love God with all of your soul. That's the part that people see. It's so, it's obvious to those who observe us. Well, what do you mean it's obvious? It's obvious by, by where you spend your time. It's obvious on your calendar. It's obvious in your checkbook. It's obvious in your speech. It's just obvious to all that loving God and, and, and serving God is, is a very big deal to you. It's not a casual part of your life. It says with all of your might, it's a strong love. Your physical strength, your emotional strength, your intellectual strength. And dads, we cannot pass on to others that which we do not personally possess. We cannot expect our kids to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, if we don't. More than anything, we need to be sure we are guiding our kids toward a love for God. Godly father leaves a legacy. Godly father loves God intensely. And a godly father lives with spiritual intentionality. We must be intentional. Deuteronomy 6 Verse 7 says, you shall teach them diligently, the commands of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children. NIV says, you shall impress upon your children. Dads, we have a responsibility to impress upon our children, to make an imprint upon the minds of our children, the commands of the Lord. Because if you want your kids to be blessed, and I know you do, they have to understand the commands of God. And and they have to learn to process life intuitively and automatically through the paradigm of the Word of God. So how do we make an imprint? How do we make a difference? How, How do we impress upon our kids the importance of doing this? Well, let me give you two or three. Number one, you do it convictionally. It has to be a conviction to you that it is important. Otherwise, it won't get done. Because you know what, church? We... We do in our life what we think is important. We talk about what we feel strongly about, and we we live out of our convictions. In fact, I would go so far as to say our convictions determine our decisions in life. Uh, 
I love this verse from uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There are versions that say written on the walls of your heart. That phrase has so much meaning to me as, as I pastor this congregation and I see the people who have the, the, the commands of God, the ways of God written on the walls of their heart. It means it has become theirs. They've taken ownership of it. They're not doing it because somebody asked them. They're not doing it because, you know, it, it, for any other reason except they've taken on. Uh, a person I talked to in my office this week talked about their experience of salvation. They were raised in the church and did all the right things and went through all the right programs. But the day came when they had to take ownership of it of their, and realize it's not my mother, not my father, Lord. It's me standing in the need of prayer. It's not my grandparents. I love them. I thank them for teaching me the ways of God. But I've come to the point where it's written on the walls of my heart. And that's what Deuteronomy 6 is saying. If it's not on your heart, you will have, it, you will have very little impact on their heart. So God's commands, Dad has to be in us. Because we can't teach what we don't know and we won't teach well what we don't feel passionately about. So we must teach it convictionally. We must teach it consistently. Thank God for the ministries of Bethesda, from our preschool, through our children's ministries, to our youth student ministries. And your kids will want to be at church when it has been made valuable to them by the example of their parents. That's the way that works. And when they get here, what they're going to encounter is leaders who love God, who love those kids, and who want to disciple them. But I'm going to tell you this, please hear me carefully, as capable as our leadership in this is in all of these areas. As a parent, we err if we see the church and its programs as anything other than supplemental to that which is taking place in your home. We're not the leaders of that. You are. We are supplemental. The best of our programs are supplemental. The job of the church is simply to support you in raising godly children. That's what we do. It is not the job of the church to be supported by you in us raising children to be godly. That's not the way it works. There are people who come and drop off their kids and, and you know, think that you know, that's it. Now do something with them or keep them out of church until they hit a wall, until a crisis happens, and then they, want, they come and, and they, kind of, they, they want us to fix it all. We're not the fix-all. We are supplemental to what's happening in your home. The church and its leadership is to supplement your own uh, uh, life of discipleship, your own life of being disciplined and reading the word and understanding the commands of God and leading the way in your family to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength. Somebody say amen. There is a particular thing that I see happening quite often, and it's this, uh, and I, I have, I'm going to take advantage of this moment to, to say this, and I hope that you hear me. Online, I hope you're listening to me. Parents, I hope you hear me. I see so often parents deciding when something has arisen in their child's life that uh, is unpleasant or distasteful or they've had a conflict with um, a, a, another child um, or they've been in a situation that you know, what they want to do is they want to, they, they respond to the immediate. They want to relieve or pull the child out of the situation that's frustrating. 
They want to uh, pull the child out, you know, or, or they will say, we just don't want to be a part of all that drama. We're just not going to, we're not going to be a part of that. And they, it sounds so righteous uh, for them to say that, and they, they think that's a great way to go. Can I just tell you, this is not the only time your child's going to have a frustrating experience. This is not the only time your child's going to face drama with other people. It's going to happen through their life. And can I just encourage you, God is giving you a teaching moment as a parent, as a godly, righteous parent, to help pray that child through that situation, help them find maturity in that situation, help them learn how to deal with that situation. And you just yanking them out of that is not the answer. You are robbing them of the privilege of learning how to process life through the paradigm of the Word of God. But it should be a teaching moment to teach them this is how you do this. Far better that they learn this, learn to walk through their difficulty, walk through their challenge under the comfort and the safety of your godly parenting than when they get out and somebody else, a college professor, tries to tell them how to do it. Far better that they learn that in your home. So this thing of just pulling them out to just relieve the discomfort of the immediate is not always the best answer. It is usually better if you say, huh, we have a teaching moment here. And so we're going to look to the word of the Lord and we're going to see how we should do this and what God would require of us in this situation. Somebody agree with me here this morning. Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them God's commands diligently to your children. That means you do it over and over and over again. How else do you teach? You do it conversationally. And the Bible clear, clearly tells us how to do this. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. It's very simple. How, how often do you do this and how you do it conversationally? It's when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, and when you rise. I don't think anything is left out. Pretty much all the time. That's how you do it. Conversation. You're going to talk about it all the time. I, I, oh, help me, Lord, communicate this. Every day, as parents and grandparents, we're steering the conversation. We need to be steering the conversation to spiritual outcomes. Because God is in the midst of everything that's happening in your life. Let's consult him. Let's be able to freely talk about that and not let it be weird. So how do you do that, Pastor Dan? I suggest this. I, I do this to our staff about certain situations. I want to know what their approach should be. How do I handle this? Or how should we do that? Do you know what the best tool that you have in your arsenal is this? Questions. Ask questions. Particularly if you're trying to get through to the heart of someone. Ask them questions. When that child comes home from school or comes home from wherever they've been, just ask questions. And if they're telling you about a problem that they've encountered or something that's really rotten that happened that day, so how about this? So what do you think is going to happen in that situation? How do you, how do you think that's going to play out in the long term? Talk, talk, just tell me. Tell me what you think. You don't have to be beating them with your idea. You find out what they're thinking. Well, if that person keeps doing that, what do you think the end result will be? And what I really want to know is, how do you really feel about it all? What, what's it feel like inside here when you're dealing with that situation, in the middle of that situation? And then you lead it toward, I wonder if the Bible, does the Bible say anything about this? Does the Bible have anything to offer us in this? So questions, 
and follow-up questions create the best possibility for you to hear what's really going on in your child's heart. Questions is the best tool you have. And then when they ask you questions, then you've got an answer for them. And that terrifies some parents. What if they ask me something I don't know? What if they ask me something about the Bible? I'll be so embarrassed when I don't know it. Guess what? You have a friend. His name is Google. You can Google anything. Go to gotquestions.com. Go to bible.org. You can go wherever. So when they ask you and you don't know, that's okay. You just say, you know what? That's a great question. Let's look that up right now. That's how you do that. And all of this allows you the ultimate goal of having a conversational interaction with your child that does not have to be awkward, it does not have to be weird, it doesn't have to be spooky, or anything other than completely natural. The goal in the home is that do everything you can to eliminate awkward and weird. It doesn't have to be there. Figure out for that child what it takes to make it perfectly natural for them. And I, I want to say this. I know the time I'm trying to wrap up here. When talking with your kids, particularly about the things in life that really matter, can I just say timing is everything. The right time is critical. And their best time may not sync perfectly with your best time. I don't know if you've noticed, but few teenagers don't want to talk in the morning. Most of them don't want to talk in the morning. You're lucky if you even get a grunt or a groan out of them in the morning. It's not their best time. But in the evening, about the time that your eyelids, your eyelids are ready to close, their mouth is ready to open. Can I get a witness this morning? But here's how it works. Parent, you got to be present to win. You have to be present to win. Timing is everything. And when the door is shut to their heart, you trying to push and knock it down never works. Wait for the right timing. Ask God to give you sensitivity. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom and all that you need, the grace to discover the right timing for your child. I'm just saying whatever you have to do to have a loving, caring relationship with your kids where they can feel safe to talk about, to talk about it whatever it is, it's got to be okay for them to talk about it. Where you can talk often and you can talk comfortably about the things of the Lord and how the Lord wants to be a part of whatever this is that we're having to talk about. Do whatever it takes. And I just want to say this, dads in this room, dads online, thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you do for your kids. Many of you are doing all these things and more and you're having great success. God be praised. And if there's any things that need to be added to what you do or adjusted or tweaked or realigned, then ask the Lord to help you incorporate them into your life. Okay, maybe the path hasn't been perfect so far. Every family has its dynamic. Every family has, it, has its issues, has its uniqueness, has its special people. We all have them. And we all have to deal and adjust with all of that within our lives. But that's okay. The Lord can give you grace. But I ask you to ponder the things that I've tried to share with you this morning. Because this life is about more than just you and me. It's about the legacy that we're going to leave behind us. It's about investing into our kids and into our grandkids. And when we do that, our kids are going to be blessed. They're going to prosper. And they're going to succeed. 
and they're going to know the hand of God on their life because they were able to see and observe firsthand the hand of God on your life. And the church said amen. I'm going to ask all the fathers and grandfathers to stand one more time because I've asked for a special treat for you today. And then we will, if you'll stay in place until we dismiss in just a moment, I don't want you to miss this. I've asked Pastor Brent to come and sing the blessing song over our fathers and grandfathers. All the dads, grandfathers, would you stand in the house and receive this from Pastor, this blessing from Pastor Brent. <laughs> 